It is Thursday, oops, sorry, the 29th day of July, 2021, and I am exhausted. Uh, I'm not sleeping well, I'm not eating well, not doing much of anything else well, to be fair. This week has been a real drag, and I'm not really sure why. So... Here we go with another less than ideal slash entertaining edition of the program where I hope to not have you fall asleep uh, too quickly. Uh, All of that and more on episode number 84. I'm out of jersey numbers for this one. Uh, Mark Tenorti, who he wore 84 for the Bruins last season, defenseman that they picked up off the scrap heap. Well, he's... uh, he signed with the Rangers today. Two years, 900K. So he's out. Um, seeing as I'm going to talk about the Olympics later, there's this from July 29th, 1984. Uh, the Olympics in L.A. Peter Vidmar scored a 10 on the pommel horse, while teammate Mitch Gaylord got a 10 on the parallel bars. Those are the first perfect scores in U.S. Olympic history. How about that, huh? Wow, exciting. Seems Mitch Gaylord uh, became a bit of a uh, minor actor, if you will, after the games and was at one point a stunt double in Batman Forever in the original Mortal Kombat. Huh? Yeah. Off to a great fucking start with this shit show, aren't we? Yeah. That's all right here, right now, on Complaints and Observations. Still, the most less-than-average podcast on the internet. With a host who's the smartest person in the room, when he's the only one there. A continuing odyssey into mediocrity. Guaranteed to make you question your life choices and your own sanity. This is Complaints and Observations. With Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? All right, so we're off to a, a banger of a start, huh? Um, I'm going to do my damnedest to power through and, and bring all four listeners um, some top-notch mediocrity for the next 55 to 65 minutes. Uh, hopefully it's not that long, just to, you know, save you the hassle, really. But I don't know. We'll see. So <clears throat> I've been trying to uh, to drum up uh, a little bit of interest in the program uh, via social media, specifically on Instagram, by asking a couple of questions over the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, in the hope that people who answer the questions will be inclined to listen. Uh, because they're interested. At least that's the hope. Uh, it's it's probably not going as well as I had hoped. 
But what can you do? You, you can see who has looked at your story. So you can see who hasn't answered your questions. And, it, you know, a lot of times I'm puzzled. A lot of times I'm left sort of wondering like, oh, that person would, would probably give me a good answer. Why, why wouldn't they? You know? I don't know. There's, there's got to be a reason for it. I'm not entirely certain. But what can you do, right? Content is key in the podcast game, folks. Um, and the content that I provide is usually shit. So if I can come up with something good, or at least you know reasonably less shitty, um, it's good. So <clears throat> last week it was the movie question. Uh, got a bunch of good responses, and I was thrilled. Um, my buddy Matt got back to me um, earlier this week and, and gave me like five more movies. Two were Hulk Hogan films, which I said, okay, those just aren't good. Um, <clears throat> but Pauly Shore. Pauly Shore was in a bunch of crap. And and it's all crap that I would... Uh, would watch over and over again. Encino Man, crap. Son-in-law, crap. So I'm kind of bummed out that um, we didn't get any Paul Shore responses. But <clears throat> uh, Airheads, the just absolutely amazing movie. Absolutely amazing. Steve Buscemi, Adam Sandler, um, that other dude from The Mummy whose name I can't remember, <laughs> who's an Encino man. <laughs> the fuck's his name? Brendan something? Frazier. Brendan Frazier. Fucking hey, Wow. Uh, but this week, I asked, what was the first drink that got you drunk? Um, and, you know... Uh, is there a dumb story attached to it? That was something that came later because right from the jump, uh, got a bunch of good ones. Uh, my buddy Scott, who you uh, you will hear from later in the program, uh, he said Mad Dog 2020. I don't I don't doubt that he had it at a young age, but I'm kind of I'm kind of skeptical. That, uh, that that was the first thing he got drunk on. It could be entirely accurate. I don't know. What do I know? I think because I've known Scott for a very long time, and I don't ever recall him talking about Mad Dog at that age, but I don't know. Mind you, Scott. A uh, friend of the show, Sarah. Uh, Bacardi Grand Melon and Sprite. I don't even know what the fuck that is. But it sounds disgusting. Um, associate producer Dave, who I demoted to uh, production assistant Dave after he shit on Ted Lasso on Twitter. So, PA Dave. I have a feeling that Dave doesn't listen to the show anymore because I haven't heard from Dave in ever since he was on the show. Haven't heard from Dave. So, I'm wondering if then again, he's probably, I think he's been on vacation for like a month. So, that might have something to do with it too. He said puckers, which is also disgusting. Puckers. Gross. Um, <clears throat> but I got a bunch of good ones. 
so uh, another great one was uh, my pal Donnie, who is from um, The Quiet Violent, the phenomenal band who uh, has provided uh, some joy and some uh, wonderfulness uh, to my life with the uh, the intro to the program. Uh, Donnie, Donnie came correct right from the jump. Okay, so he says uh, the, the first the first drink that he had, <clears throat> Captain and Diet Coke before OAR at Great Woods. Didn't know there was booze. That's the kind of story that I'm looking for. Okay, but it's so good. He even he sent me a message on Instagram. Which, you know, just kind of brought the whole thing home. Uh, and he's like, thought the manufacturer made the Diet Coke regular Coke because of the sweetness. Then I started feeling a little bounce in my step, walking into the show and realized I was drunk. This is what killed me. Fresh Summer after freshman year of high school. Believe that was 2007. e uh, first and foremost, I'm fairly certain I was at that OAR show. And um, freshman year of high school in 2007. Whoa. Whoa. I didn't realize Donnie was that young. He's a very mature young man. But uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Captain and Diet Coke. Got a couple of Captain and Coke responses. Um, <clears throat> my pal Corey from the uh, There You Go pod. Uh, Captain and Coke. Um, my friend Will. A Parrot Bay and or Goldschlager. Goldschlager was a popular answer. I got a few of those. I uh, got a couple of Bud Lights. My wife chimed in with Purple Passion. Another thing, I have no fucking earthly idea what Purple Passion is. I just, I don't know. I don't know what Purple Passion is. So, um, <clears throat> my old pal John, when I was 16 at a club in Baltimore on college night, I uh, used a fake college ID to have Midori Sours. <laughs> in parentheses, not proud of that. Midori Sours. Ugh. Man. Shit's gross. Um, Nick Moore, friend of the show. You might recall that he's the one that um, shit on an old lady down in Myrtle Beach. Uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade. I was nine. Snuck it out of the cooler and guzzled it down at a New Year's Eve party. It didn't really surprise me. Didn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, got a couple of Goldschlagers. Um, my old friend, co-worker Don, Goldschlager. Uh, a couple of Bud Lights, like my buddy Matt. Uh, my friend Ted here, Bud Light. Uh, leave it to friend of the show, Evan. It, it's nice to have... Um, an Aussie friend, because you know you're going to get weird responses. It's not so much weird, but um, not American responses. So his was uh, Bundaberg rum, which is an Australian rum. 
I didn't even know Australian rum was a thing. Had no clue. But uh, yeah, it was good. I I enjoyed that. Um, it, it was interesting. It was good. Uh, my first um, drink that got me drunk was Red Dog beer. Remember Red Dog? Apparently, it's still being made. Yeah. It's, it's odd. Apparently, Miller owns it, and they still make it, but Red Dog, yeah. So, myself and my friends at the time uh, went out to... Oh, what was the name of that fucking pond? Is it Gushy's Pond? Might have been Gushy's. Might have been Gushy's Pond in Rainham. Not 100% sure. Yeah. Yep. Was it? Yes. Gushy's Pond. Yeah, good times, man. I drunk off a, a bunch of red dogs. That beer was terrible. It just wasn't good. And then the logo was like, you know, a red dog. <laughs> Oh man, it's funny when you think about these things. When you when you get in the old time machine and you look back and all the crap that you drank as a kid before you turned twenty one and could actually buy decent shit, because you know you were sort of you were at the mercy of whatever you had, which is probably why Goldschlager was such a thing because it was easily stealable from a parent's liquor cabinet. I remember uh, years ago, a friend of mine stole uh, some wild turkey from his mother's liquor cabinet and replaced it with iced tea. And it, I, I would venture a guess that his mother never, never knew uh, that there was no actual whiskey in that bottle. That would be that that would be an interesting. Uh, study the hierarchy of of liquor in your parents liquor cabinet as a kid like what was the shit in the in the back like my my parents didn't really have a liquor cabinet there it wasn't a ton it was you know might have been like a bottle of of whiskey in there but not much my dad drank beer my mother didn't really drink so uh that didn't really exist and there was never it's not as if my dad kept copious amounts of beer in the house because he he drank it um so it'd be it'd be funny like what was the uh the hierarchy of booze in your parents liquor cabinet so that you know so i mean obviously vodka if you have old vodka in the back of a liquor cabinet you can just put water in it they're not going to fucking know until they try to drink it. And nine times out of ten, it's crap, which is why it's in the back. Interesting. But yeah, I enjoyed that. That was um, that was that was pretty good, pretty funny. Some some good stories in there. So thank you everybody that uh, participated. Uh, thank you, Donnie, for reminding me that I'm old as fuck. Not really. I'm not really. I mean, 
Yeah, I'm kind of old, but not really that old. This week, I feel like I'm fucking 90. But I'm not really 90, so we've got a long way to go. Um, I have some other shit that I'm going to talk about. Stay tuned. All right, it's the uh, sports portion of the program. So uh, I'm going to ask... Uh, all the people that have that have said to me, "Well, I, I like your podcast, but sports, I, I I don't like it. It's not really super sportsy." So you know, I'm going to ask you to stick it out as a favor to a friend, or uh, as a favor to someone you don't really know and don't particularly care about. Well, I hope you care. If you're listening, you obviously care somewhat, right? Ugh. Gross. Um, all right. First and foremost, the sports gambling bill in Massachusetts has progressed through the um, House of Representatives. Who knows how long or when uh, the state Senate is going to get to it. Uh, as is the problem with most things in the Commonwealth, it's very slow. And as has been the case with uh, the gambling bill within the state, there's a lot of hands in the till. So, you know, th- there's a lot of, of uh, minutiae, really. Um, and it's going to be a sort of a fight. Oh, who's going to get credit? Who's going to do this? And the, But, I mean, it blew through the House. Uh, there were only three no votes. Um, you know, uh, way, way left uh, Democrats <clears throat> voted no. Everybody else voted yes. Rightfully so. Like you got you got fucking weed, you got booze, you need the gambling. Okay. Hopefully they'll figure it out before the end of the year. Have it ready before the Super Bowl, but that's not likely because again, slow. Uh, larger than normal taxes for the casinos as well as a. tax on bets placed for events that take place in Massachusetts. I have never heard of that before. I haven't, I didn't bother to really look into it to see if it was, uh, if it was that way in other States, I'm not hundred percent sure, but you know, it just seems odd. It's just, look, it's another way to make money. The thing of it is, okay. There are a lot of people that are pissed off about the taxes and this, that, and the other. It's like, what the fuck do you care? Either you're going to keep gambling with your bookie illegally, or you're going to bet um, with with a, a legal entity. Either way, you're going to lose money. So what the fuck does it matter? Wouldn't you want to lose money to the state that you live in and, and generate some tax revenue that theoretically should go towards the improvement of the state? But, you know... People like to bitch and whine and complain about taxes and, oh, Taxachusetts, it's so, the taxes are so high in Massachusetts. Okay, sure. Well, the trade-off is you're not surrounded by fucking morons like some of these other states that don't have, say, for example, state income tax, i.e. New Hampshire, Florida, Texas, Arizona. The per capita ignorance rate is very high. I just made that up. But it's very high. Here in Massachusetts, we're educated. We're not completely stupid. We're a little slow. A bit puritanical, sure. It's not perfect by any means. 
I don't want to live anyplace else unless I move to Portugal or to another country. I don't want to live anywhere else. What the fuck? What for? I like it here. I don't have any problem with taxes. I don't give a fuck. Paying taxes is part of a normal society. You know? I prefer my, my roads somewhat paved. I prefer to have a, a, a reasonably competent uh, police and fire. Um, teachers, school systems for children. I don't even have fucking kids. I don't really like them. But I would prefer they have decent schools. So I'm going to pay taxes. What the fuck? Why not? If they want to charge me that 1% to make a bet on the Red Sox to lose every now and again, sure. Gladly. I'm in. Let's do it. More sports. So, the Olympics are going on, as I mentioned. It's a big fucking deal, right? The Olympics. Ooh. I've never really had, like, um, an overwhelming love or hate for the Olympics. You know, there's always a feel-good moment or two. But really, I think that's the only point of the Olympics existing anymore. Well, that's not entirely true. There are two reasons for it to exist. One, money. Two is are the feel-good moments. Right? Because think about it. Team USA basketball, okay? When the dream team uh, in 92 steamrolled everybody, won a gold medal. That was cool, right? Now, they lose all the time, so who the fuck cares? The rest of the world's caught up. It just happens. It's fine. Nothing wrong with it. But, the feel-good moments, and there's been a handful thus far. The Brazilian surfer, who apparently, this story was really fucked up. Not fucked up, it was uh, was kind of weird. The Brazilian surfer who allegedly grew up so poor that uh, when he learned to surf, it wasn't on a surfboard, but on a styrofoam cooler cover. <laughs> yeah, okay, that'd be interesting. I'd like to see him do that now. But whatever, nice story. Uh, the 17-year-old girl is a swimmer from Alaska. Uh, nice story. The 18-year-old swimmer from Tunisia. Nice story. The Syrian swimmer who, apparently, this girl, swam like a boat full of people uh, to shore. I didn't get like the deep, uh, you know, background to this thing. But she basically had like a rope tied around her, swam to shore. It was like 23 people on a boat. Uh, The boat apparently was sinking. How the fuck? I mean, she's going to be the strongest person in the world. But whatever. That was the story that was out there. Uh, And then she walked from wherever she landed uh, to Germany, which was apparently across a couple of different countries to get to Germany, and she walked there. I hope I never have to fucking endure such things just to get to, like, a somewhat decent place. I'm sure Germany's wonderful. Um... The Filipino weightlifter. They haven't had a gold medal in 97 years. The female Filipino weightlifter. Imagine the fucking party. Imagine the food. Oh, man. If you've never had Filipino food, you're missing out. It is fucking good. 
the uh, but anyway, the Olympics have always been very popular here, uh, mainly because I think hayseeds can learn about the rest of the planet in a very uh, pleasing, non-threatening manner. At least that's my theory. It could be way off, way way off, and I probably am, but what whatever. Um, <clears throat> the money sign of it though is just it's very. Uh, it's kind of gross. Like the um, the International Olympic Committee, kind of gross. Uh, the bidding process to host it is kind of gross, and really does nothing for uh, for the host cities. I mean, especially this year, the Japanese. Boy, you want to talk about getting fucking porked sideways? Apparently, they couldn't get out of it without paying like a big penalty or a big fee. To the IOC. Meanwhile, they're not generating any kind of revenue. Um, you know that they had previously counted on eight years ago when they were awarded this, these games. But uh, yeah, they're fucked, huh? You know, you would, and you would think like the TV partners would throw them a bone occasionally and, and talk about, hey, when things are are better here. And you can travel. Uh, come to Japan. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, something. And look, I haven't sat and watched hours and hours of coverage, so they may have said that. But you know, you would hope that they would th- again throw them a bone because look, they're getting fucked. Um. But yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. The other thing that bothered me with with the Olympics was the uh, Russian Olympic Committee. So basically, Russia was uh, put on uh, double secret probation for cheating, which is you know what the Russians do. So their punishment um, is stupid. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. All the Russian athletes can still compete. They're all on a team that's still called Russian Olympic Committee. So more or less, it's the Russian Olympic team, right? When they win a medal, so let's say there's you know, they win a gold. They don't play the Russian national anthem. There's no Russian flag. But that's literally it. Like, how the fuck is that a deterrent? They're going to go back to Russia and still be hailed as heroes for, for winning medals. It's it's so fucking stupid. It's not even a slap in the face. It's it's more like a, you know, a slap on the wrist. But not even a slap. It's like a tickle. So dumb. Um... So, <clears throat> I found that stupid, and it took a while for me to figure out what ROC meant. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, what else? What else I want to talk about? So, you know that I record this shit on, on like Wednesday night for Thursday morning, and so today, sadly, um, 
Dusty Hill plays bass for ZZ Top, passed away. Uh, very sad. ZZ Top, one of those bands that you don't realize how good they are until you see them live. Uh, the first time I saw them live was, Christ, I was in, I might have been in junior high. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Might have been in junior high school. And I think they opened for somebody. Might have been the Stones. I don't remember. Um, <clears throat> but it was like, wow, this is, they're just so tight. They were, they were like absolutely perfect. The last time I saw them, it's a, a few years ago, at the Cape Cod Melody Tent, they were in, they played like 14 songs in an hour and a half, wrapped it up, done for the night. Just efficient and perfect, uh, note perfect, really, and it was, it was great. So it was kind of a bummer to see that Dusty Hill passed away. My guess is he's been sick for a while because... Um, the band's back on tour. They played, uh, played a show like the other night. <clears throat> um, their uh, replacement bass player is a gentleman by the name of Elwood Francis. Great name. That was kind of a bummer, though. You know, and it's it's another one of these things. As you get older, you're going to see a lot more people die. Obviously, David, you fucking idiot. But. Um, he's, you know, young guy, he was only 72, you know, long way to go. He was still rocking for, you know, he's out there. But for the uninitiated, he was one of the two guys with a beard, the bass player. Not Billy Gibbons, the uh, lead singer slash guitar, lead guitarist, or Frank Beard, who does not have a beard, plays the drums. So, rest in peace. Dusty Hill. Uh, more music. I wanted to talk about this last week, and I didn't get to it. But uh, Metallica is releasing uh, like an anniversary package for the Black Album. Um, <clears throat> October 1st. A lot of ums today, huh? That's what happens when you're tired. You just say um and uh like a fucking idiot. Ugh, God. October 1st. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, a bunch of covers by a very wide, uh, diverse range of artists. So uh, the first one I heard was Jason Isbell and uh, the 400 unit. Excellent cover of Sad But True. Very different, which is what you want. You want it to be different, but you don't want it to be unrecognizable. That's the that's the the key features of a cover song. You know, you want to own it, but you don't want to change it completely that it's unrecognizable. Uh, and then Volbeat did a cover of... Um, uh, fuck. See, this is what happens, you know. This is what happens when you can't remember anything when you get old. Uh, don't tread on me. <clears throat> theirs was uh, much closer to the original, but it was good. The problem is that the, the lead singer 
uh, of Volby, Michael Polson, on a good day sounds just like James Hetfield anyway. So I think he tried very hard to not just do a note-for-note sing-along version. Uh, I was hoping for a much longer solo. Uh, the guitarist of Volbeat, Rob Cagliano, former Anthrax guitarist, very, very good. It's a short snippet of a of a solo. And again, I was hoping for something a little bit longer, but <clears throat> to no avail. Uh, the 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 song that I think is going to get the most I don't want to say the most play, but the most uh, you know chit chat, the most talking is going to be the the cover of Nothing Else Matters. For whatever reason, there's let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve versions of Nothing Else Matters on this thing. What the fuck? What are we doing? Yet only one of uh, of Wolf and Man, which is you know arguably the best song on that album. Only two versions of The God That Failed. Yeah, it's just sad. There's a, there's a, you know, through the never, only two versions. The problem is that Nothing Else Matters lends itself to a number of different genres and styles of music. So My Morning Jacket does one. Darius Rucker does one. Chris Stapleton does one. And the big one is Miley Cyrus uh, featuring... Uh, Watt, Andrew Watt, who is the, uh, he's the guitarist for Ozzy now, apparently. Uh, I guess it's, that's been that way for about 10 minutes. <clears throat> but, um, so Miley Cyrus, Andrew Watt, somehow Elton John is on there, but I, you know, no clue. I, I didn't hear anything. Uh, Robert Trujillo, who is the bass player for Metallica, and Chad Smith, who's the drummer for the Chili Peppers, and on bass, Yo-Yo Ma. It's excellent. Not bass, the cello, sorry. It's really good, except for Miley Cyrus's fucking vibrato. Like, cool it. It's, it just sounds forced enough. She has a great singing voice. It's just that the, uh, it's a little much. Yeah, enough. We get it. But it's very good. I enjoyed that. <clears throat> I'm very curious to hear how the rest of the album is going to be. All these covers. Um, my guess is that they'll be putting out some of the uh, bigger names as videos attached to them. There's a weird sort of overarching theme to the whole thing where a lot of movement, a lot of uh, traveling. So I wonder if it's sort of a foreshadow to a tour of some kind, which I would imagine so. I don't know exactly what the the general theme is supposed to be, but should be good. So Metallica, tiny little band, right? Yeah, very but be good to see how that turns out. More music news, all right? And this this made me laugh. <clears throat> uh the Wu Tang clan album, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin, which uh infamous record, which they only pressed one copy, put it in a I don't know if it was like steel or titanium or nickel or something. It was in some kind of box. They called it a work of art. 
called the box of work of art. They called the album work of art. Um, and there was only one copy. And that little fuckwad Martin Screlly bought it. The price I don't I don't think was ever released. If it was, I didn't really look very hard to find it. But um, <clears throat> thankfully, Screlly got his his due and um, is in prison. And the justice Justice Department uh, basically took possession of uh, you know a lot of his uh, his fortune. It was a seven point four million dollar forfeiture judgment. There was the judgment against him was basically a seven point four million dollar fine. More fucking rambling, you fat fuck! Jesus Christ, man! Oh man. Anyways, as part of the deal. The Justice Department uh, took possession of Once Upon a Time in Shaolin and then sold it. No details of the sale in the press release from the Justice Department. But it's funny, uh, whoever wrote this, the, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York, I bet they never thought they'd be putting a uh, press release that was titled, quote, Uni... <laughs> Ugh, God. <laughs> uh, I'm so bad at this. I do apologize. Uh, that was titled, quote, United States sells unique Wu-Tang Clan album forfeited by convicted hedge fund manager Martin Screlly, end quote. Can't imagine that, uh, you know, the the clerk uh, that, that wrote that up when they finished law school was like, oh, I can't wait to write press releases for the Justice Department and talk about Wu-Tang Clan and Martin Screlly. So I'm very curious to find out because there's no way this is going to stay secret for too long. So, you know, um, my guess is that Wu-Tang will find out who has it. Not that it's going to come out, but you know that—that's my guess. My guess is that it'll—it'll—it'll it'll, it'll leak out, or um, maybe the the owner and Wu Tang will come to an agreement to release it. Who knows? Who knows? But it'll be interesting uh, to see how it plays out. Now, <clears throat> a couple other things, quick hits. Uh, first and foremost, Ted Lasso season two. I uh, haven't watched it yet, so. Um, I will hopefully this week. Uh, the new He-Man Masters of the Universe came out. Five episodes, about 27 minutes each. Uh, wildly different than the original. Loved it. Thought it was excellent. Not the best story in the world in terms of, uh, hey, biggest He-Man fan ever, which there are apparently a ton of them, and they're all a bunch of fucking clowns uh, running around saying that Kevin Smith is a liar. You said it was a He-Man show. Ugh. The internet is fucking terrible. Let me put that out there. Uh, it's awful. Uh, Jackie Mason, star of Caddyshack 2, passed away. 92 years old. King of the Borscht Belt. Comedian. You had to be... <laughs> you had to uh, have a, an odd sense of humor... Uh, to find Jackie Mason funny. I thought he was interesting and funny. And he was great in fucking Caddyshack. Uh, 
Caddyshack 2, I should say. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Jackie Mason. Uh, still looking for a college athlete to sponsor. Uh, take advantage and make a mockery of this whole thing. So if you know somebody who's like a D3 wrestler or a D2 football player, backup lineman or something, uh, let me know. Love to get in touch with them. Love to see what we can. It's short money. You'd have to be on the podcast, and I'll pay you in like frozen pizza or some dumb shit. Who knows? Maybe I'll. I've mentioned this before. Maybe I'll buy you a hot plate. <laughs> what a terrible joke. Stupid. Um, but yeah. So, um, yeah. There's some other shit to talk about, but I, I want to get to these voicemails before I get to three gripes. So, uh, sit tight. Hey, Dave. It's one of the four listeners, Scott here. I gotta tell you, man, I drove through Cranston today. I, my observation is the place is a shithole. I would never do that. All right. Enjoy your barbecue. That's entirely random. Cranston. I'm pretty sure he said Cranston. Uh, and then he has deemed Cranston, Rhode Island, a shithole. Most of Rhode Island is a shithole. But apparently, Cranston has stuck out to him, and he doesn't like it. So, uh, noted, uh, Scott does not like Cranston. Thank you. Yeah, Dave, it's listener Scott, one of four. Holy shit, this Dylan Shaw shit is bullshit. How did that guy win? Dude, unfucking believable Unfucking believable I hope you're having a great time with your motherfucking cookout. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Then he chimes in with TJ Dillashaw uh, winning uh, his fight the other night. Dillashaw, who is out of UFC for over two years, comes back, wins a fight in which he got a vicious gash above his fucking right eye. I mean, oof. That thing was deep. You could have probably stuck a nickel in there. It was it was deep and bloody. Um, I was kind of surprised that he won. But, um, you know, when I... When I heard the, uh, you know, the experts, those that know more than me about the sport, uh, you know, they basically said that he kind of controlled the fight for for majority of the five rounds. And he he had more, more gas in the tank than the other guy whose name eludes me, but the other guy uh, was the second ranked, uh, I think he's a welterweight uh, in that particular division. Uh, Dillashaw, like I said, uh, was out. For, for two years for PEDs. Comes back, whoops ass. Well, not whoops ass, but whoops ass enough that he wins a split. Uh, and now, you know, now he's, he's talking about a title shot, which is like, what the fuck? Where the hell did he come from? Weird. The best part of that uh, voicemail, though, was the very end. When somebody in the background's like, who's that? Right. As it is uh, Thursday, uh, it is time for three gripes. Get ready. This is the this is the big part of the show where you know mostly I complain about shit uh, or I observe shit. See what I did there? Terrible. Uh, gripe number one: braces. Uh, big news uh, in the family. My fifteen-year-old uh, niece uh, had her braces uh, off. And it got me thinking. 
have we not progressed enough um, as a society where dental care uh, does not require, you know, uh, high-tech, high-tension steel in your mouth to straighten your teeth? Apparently not, because it's still a thing. And I would imagine that it's somewhat traumatic, especially for for a young girl. And granted, in the end, uh, you know, great smile. She looks way more like my brother now than she did before. At least I that's what I think. Uh, not good, really, um, in the grand scheme of things, to look like my brother. Because, boy, a ghastly individual. Just, just not... Not a looker by any means, you know. I, I clearly got the uh, the looks in the in the family. He got everything else. <laughs> Ugh, that's terrible. Um, yeah, it's just odd. You know, my brother had braces growing up. I got I got fucking hosed on that deal. Uh, I have ghastly bottom teeth. I mean, just atrocious. Um. But he got the braces because his teeth were allegedly worse than mine. You know, I had, I had half a good set. Um, and that's apparently, that was it. Uh, but then, you know, since then I've had a bunch of teeth removed because ugh, I hate the dentist. Didn't take care of them for a very long time. And it, boy, I'm telling you, when I get older, I'm going to be, I'm going gonna, gonna to be gumming my food in my 70s. If I make it that long, knock on wood. Gripe number two, car dealerships. Okay. So I typically, well, not typically, but I'll occasionally have a free ad. Here's the reverse of a free ad, whatever that is. All right. Uh, Route 44 Hyundai, Rainham, Massachusetts. Uh, Don't ever buy a car there. Um. Every every negative stereotype you've ever heard or experienced about uh, car dealerships, car salesmen, uh, all of it all of it lives under one roof, and that's Route Forty Four Hyundai, Rainham, Massachusetts, and probably their sister dealership right down the street, Route Forty Four Toyota, because they're owned by the same fucking scumbags. Long story short, my wife bought has bought multiple cars at this uh, location, and this time they decided that they were going to fucking screw her. Uh, she bought a car. Look, you know, she really should have done a better job of, of reviewing things, and she knows that, but at the same time, uh, they fucking screwed her. And they're shitty, and they're shady, and, and uh, they're just not... One, they're not very bright. Two, they're not very nice. It's a bad combination. And so, you know, if you have the ability to buy a car and you want to go to a car dealership, don't go to that one. I bought a couple cars from Silco Honda down the street. I had no problems with those folks. So maybe go to Silco Honda, Route 44. There's the free ad. I just don't... I can't figure for the life of me. How the fuck do these places... Uh, stay in business when they treat people like such shit. 
Like, they literally treat everyone that walks through their door like a fucking asshole. Most of them. And I'm sure not all dealerships do this, but... They all look the same. All car salespeople look the same. They're usually... One, they're usually guys. Two, they're probably white guys. Three, you know, they probably got a bunch of skull tattoos. And yes, I'm, I'm stereotyping those with a skull tattoo as being shitty, shady car folk. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've just never never had a good feeling from a car salesman. The handful of car salesmen that, I, that I've met uh, are, are just are dummies but can talk. Then there's the, the real bad combination of the ones that aren't dummies and can talk. So, you know, they're very smooth. They know what they're doing. They do it well. Just, boy, I'm telling you, one of the things that I really hope takes off in the next five years is this online car buying shit so that you don't have to go through that crap. Uh, because, you know, really, the days of having to sit in a fucking dealership and, and haggle with a finance manager for six hours really should be over. That needs to end. Because no one, no one needs to fucking deal with that shit. It's just not something that any self-respecting individual wants to deal with. Unless you love to argue. In which case, all right, fine. Have at it. But yeah, I just... Yeah, car dealerships, honestly. Fuck off. 95% of you can fuck off. If you sell cars and you're listening to my show, fuck off. <laughs> Not really. You don't have to really fuck off, but your job sucks. Find another line of employment. Sell fucking anything else. Fuck off. Great number three, mental health. Now, big story uh, lately is Simone Biles uh, dropping out uh, of the team competition in the individual final. Big deal, because she's uh, the best gymnast on the planet, and she's dropped out. And uh, there are reasons why, you know, and, and obviously it's a, it's a mental thing. Uh, the, the stories that I read today had to do with something called the twisties, which apparently is a very gymnast term where it's very similar to the yips, if you know what the yips are, uh, it's like when second baseman can't throw to first base. So the Steve Saxies, the Chuck Knoblocks, um, guys who were all-star second baseman and suddenly lost the ability to field a ground ball and throw it to first base. If you've seen the film Major League Two, the catcher could not throw the ball to the pitcher unless he was talking about the Victoria's Secret catalog. Not very similar, but similar. So the twisties are apparently a, a you know like a mental snafu where you start to overthink your routine and your moves. In this particular instance, I guess it started last week or a couple weeks ago uh, in practice where some of her teammates started to realize that there was some issues there. And... Um, so she backed out, and I think honestly, rightfully so, because I I can't I can't imagine what would happen to anyone who was doing the shit that she was doing, 
And then, you know, fucking up, like uh, forgetting to not putting your hand on a bar, not putting your hand on the floor, not putting your hand on something, not landing the right way. You could fucking really hurt yourself. And if you fucking land on your neck, you could die. The problem is, right, you have way too many fucking people who love to pass judgment on people who say they have mental health issues as if it's not a legitimate excuse. And quite frankly, you should be, if you think that way, you should really, you should be counting your blessings that you don't have to fucking deal with that or that you don't have someone in your family that has dealt with shit like that. Sadly, I have personal experience of dealing with a family member who had mental issues. It is fucking exhausting and it's sad and it's awful. And to make light of someone's fucking problems just makes you as a human being less than a piece of shit you have no fucking right to belittle someone who says that they're uh, having issues mentally you have no fucking right none it really should have just been a uh, a passing story you know, like she dropped out, someone else took her spot, and they they still finished second to that fucking sham of a Russian Olympic committee in the team uh, competition. They get silver medal. Who knows what's going to happen in the individual? But the girl that's taking her place, she doesn't have the twisties. She doesn't have a fucking mental lapse right now. So she may do very well. Who knows? But to see her just fucking get beat up and belittled by... Uh, you know, it's 98% dudes, you know, this fucking fake machismo, the fake tough guy fucking act. It's awful. It's And it's stupid, and it just makes you look like a shitbag. Clueless pieces of shit like Pierce Morgan and Clay Travis, who just seem to live to be the top douchebag on Twitter every week, should be so fucking lucky. So lucky that they don't have to deal with that kind of shit. A lot of other fucking people do daily. The worst part is when you see the clueless fucks who will tweet dumb shit uh, like this douchebag Matt Walsh tweets out, uh, Michael Jordan sits out game seven of the NBA finals due to mental health, not knowing that fucking Michael Jordan retired from basketball in part because his father was fucking murdered. Kind of fucked him up. What can you do? Just don't do that, okay? Here, here's a better tact. Just let it go. You don't have to have a fucking opinion on everything. You don't host a shitty podcast called Complaints and Observations. So you don't have to have an opinion on everything. You don't have to fucking post it on Twitter. If you're that much of a piece of shit, stay off fucking social media. Do everyone a fucking favor. Stay off. Leave people alone. I, I it, it, it shouldn't even say that. Leave people alone. That's fucking childish and stupid. Be a fucking adult. Be an actual uh, human being with with a shred of fucking uh, uh, empathy for other people. It's just so funny at the divide between uh, good people and shit people. It's just growing by the day. The internet is really, in social media, has helped expose that fucking gap. 
that marinara fucking, it's not marinara, that trench size gap. Anyway, uh, that's it for the program. Thank you for listening. It was a slog, wasn't it? Whew, not good. Not good. I got a bit more energy at the end, which was nice. Um, but, um, yeah, just gassed. I am absolutely gassed, and I don't know why. Um, next week, I promise to have uh, a guest, uh, the South Shore Bar Pizza guy from Twitter. Uh, not Twitter, uh, Instagram. Looking for, we're going to talk pizza. It's going to be fucking fun. Who doesn't love pizza, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, supposed to be this week, but, you know, scheduling issues on my end. Well, not really my end, but whatever. So next week, guest on the show. Looking forward to that. Hopefully, I don't fuck up and forget to record. Uh, I got to get uh, Nolan Murphy back on the program at some point. Going to get in touch with him. But we'll see. Um, gonna have a not an episode, hopefully down the road with the start of the Premier League in a few weeks. Like to get my soccer buddies on. I should probably ask them before I start talking about it on the show. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Listen, um, gonna have more on uh, a couple of different things. Hopefully on the blog this uh, tomorrow or this weekend. Uh, Complaintsandobservations.com. Check out the blog. I do have a couple of posts up there, uh, recent posts uh, that I enjoyed. Uh, hopefully you'll take a look at them, read them, get a chuckle out of them, and then tell your friends. That's all I ask. Just tell your friends. Um, I do have a, a merch store. You can find that on the blog post about my merch. You can check it out, complaintsandobservations.com. You can send me an email, showmail at complaintsandobservations.com. I have a Twitter page, at complaintspod, an Instagram page, at complaintspod. I have a Facebook page, but fuck Facebook. I have a YouTube page that I don't do anything with. Uh, you can call the show like Scott did twice, 617-657-4736, 617-65-RIP-EM. Call in. Love to hear from you. It'd be awesome. Content, content, content. Uh, but honestly, that's it. Thank you as always. I appreciate it. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Godspeed. Ta-ta. <laughs>